difficult, 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 I know it's very strange. I I have focus now. Uh, th- these two ladies who are doing Dry January uh, together, we make the Difficult Women podcast. Huzzah! Woo! I want a martini. That's what I want. A gin <laughs> this morning. Yeah, a morning. I I miss my morning martinis. <laughs> I miss my, well, my Sunday morning martinis. No, oh actually, I don't like. I do not like drinking brunch. I've learned my either. lesson. Because, no, yeah, like it. no, it ruins your day, it, especially if you're busy. Oh, totally. You got to go back do? and do some work <laughs> so when you're freaking drunk and hung over. Not anymore. No more. <laughs> no more. Never again. <laughs> no, it's fine. We're all we're sober. It's great. Happy dry January. I have some good news. You do. Yes. Are you ready for this very exciting news? I'm holding on to it, the it table. Affects mostly, it affects mostly me <laughs> for, <laughs> for the immediate, for the in the immediate moment. But it's going to affect all of us very, very soon. What? The numbers are going down. The oh Omicron numbers are going down. Oh, thank heavens. Yeah. Oh. I've been following that shit so close. I had it on my calendar. I was like making predictions. I was like, this is what it's going to. And I've been pretty close. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but are they going down across the world across nope. the country across just in new york new- city oh, okay, right. <laughs> just the places the places where it hit first like the big cities right. where it hit first it's going down but mm-hmm. some of y'all in the smaller towns hang in there because yeah. it's, it will go down and the pattern okay this is nerdy real quick just bear with me the pattern is basically uh it'll go up 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 and then once it starts to plateau mm-hmm. it'll plateau for about like two weeks or so just hang in there for those two weeks and then it's going to start to go down oh. and then it'll go down pretty fast according to South Africa anyway that's just your ah. little science science fact of the and day. then the Voltron variant will be coming up it will absolutely be coming up so that's why you have to still get vaccinated and boosted so I've learned boosted uh, several of my friends are not boosted they're I mean they're I guess it wasn't time for them to get boosted but once it's your turn go get yeah. boosted I, I think actually now everybody it's everybody's turn over 12 oh good yeah, so get my friends boosted. who are thirteen, go get. <laughs> yeah, no, I have a friend that um, young, very healthy, blithe woman who uh, she got vaccinated. She was uncertain about getting vaccinated. I encouraged her to get vaccinated. She did, mm-hmm. uh, and then she got the Omicron variant, but she hadn't been boosted oh. yet. And she, you know, she fared better than she would have if she hadn't been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. But she probably would have been better off being boosted. And she is, she got sick around Christmas, and she's still not feeling great oh no so it's that's the thing about this shit is it like the long COVID is what really scares me mm-hmm. so get vaccinated because it helps they're finding more and more that vaccinations do help prevent long COVID so her hopefully her symptoms will start to go but mm. boosted get boosted too to mm-hmm. help with long COVID every time yeah. I think I have brain fog I realize I've just taken a gummy like the day before <laughs> and there's like ah uh, yes <laughs> Just carries over into the next days after. <clears throat> I feel like I have brain fog, but I think it's just how I was born. 
<laughs> born with brain fog. Well, I wanted to give our listeners just a little update and also you because you weren't <gasps> yes. there yesterday. Oh, my God. Yes. You guys. So as you know, we've been working on our third album. We started recording it this summer. <laughs> so it's a long process because we're doing it as safely as possible because we are still in a pandemic. So mm-hmm. Katie came down to Nashville. We tracked our vocals and our instruments and then we have we sent all of our tracks to a drummer and she did all the drumming for it and so we got that back and then yesterday in person we worked with um well i worked with katie was in new york i'm I'm still yeah i'm in nashville but um so we worked with this woman named annie clements and she is Marin morris's bass player so i got to hear all these fun stories of tour and stuff but so yesterday she came to our studio out in old hickory tennessee with my with our producer dana cadora Mm-hmm. And at the same time, so this woman, Annie, is very busy. <laughs> um, she she tours. She's also a mom of a 19-month-old baby. Um, and so, Are they moving or something, and, too? Well, they're going out to Montana for oh. like three months to actually like be music. Her and her husband are like going to be music consultants or something for this big resort out there. That's and so cool. they're leaving for three months on Tuesday. So... She was in town for a very brief time and <laughs> needed to get her hair done. As we all know, girls, <laughs> Women that shit is important. Best. Yeah, we mm-hmm. got to look our best. And she was like, I, I really have no time. And like, I guess there was some problem with her recording setup in her home studio. And so that's why we moved it to doing it at our producer's house. And then she asked if she could get her hair done while tracking the bass. And at first we were like, uh, what? That's crazy. Well, let me tell you, this woman knocked it out of the park. She, um, I don't, I've never really dyed my hair. So I don't, I didn't even understand like the, what was happening really, the process of it. But so she has like dark red hair or it's been dyed like a darker red. So they had to strip her hair first with like a, with bleach. So Mm -hmm. with the foils and stuff. And so Mm -hmm. then she tracked like three songs that way with just a whole head of foils. Mm -hmm. Then backstage Barber Productions was the um, hairdresser. That's that's their Instagram if you want to check it out. But it was the wife that was there doing the hair. But then the husband was there too as her assistant. So it it was just this fun little production of like her getting her hair done, tracking bass for our album. And then at one point, so they took the foils out again. I don't know how this stuff works, but like the bleach didn't remove enough red. So then they had to do it again. So it kind of added like, three extra hours or something to the whole thing but so then she kept tracking and then we got katie i didn't tell you yeah. this we got an oh. extra song for free <laughs> oh my god amazing she um, because guilt. she was just there yeah and so oh my god that's amazing but because of that they were like actually putting the foils in while she was tracking bass this woman yeah. is on like the talent this- of her was just so this is why you work with women because we can multitask we can totally multitask she was getting calls from her husband who's on tour right now she was getting calls from her mother-in-law who was babysitting her her baby like it was just such a great day to just see how women work like here's this hairdresser who's like making it work with her wonderful husband helping her out then annie there fucking i mean two takes two take wonder she would just do Mm -hmm. two takes of the bass and i it was 
our album sounds so incredible. I'm so excited. You guys, Yay. it's going to be great. Anyway, it was really fun. And another thank you to Annie Clements. Look her up. She tours with Marin Morris. She tour- She's in all different other kinds of bands around Nashville and stuff. Really, really badass. It was uh, just such an honor. So that's so cool. I wish wait. I could have been there. But I know. I'm, excited. I t- I'm glad you could have, though. That's really me awesome. too. Yeah. And at first I was like, maybe I shouldn't because of COVID. Like, but I, I did test before I went and, and we wore masks. And so everyone was very yeah. responsible because we don't know what's happening. So it was great. I felt really, really safe and just so happy and thrilled. And again, our producer, Dana Kadora, is fucking killing it she had so many great ideas and it was i don't know i just got very very excited she's also somebody you should look up in terms of music she she has beautiful beautiful music yes Uh, yeah so anyway we're like side project called hula hi-fi which is like if you like i'm really into that kind of thing it's like this sort of tropical vibes and she's it's very cool and it's really anyway but it's neat that we're actually you know we we said it I think said it first on the pod of just that we're committed to working with women on our third album because we've made our past two albums with men and we're slowly but surely doing it and it's just yeah. feels really right and really exciting. It's really cool. And now we just have to get a guitar player and then mix it and master it and then publicize Eventually. it. Eventually. In, in 2030, it will be yeah, out. It's <laughs> wonderful, yeah. But it's, it's really awesome. So anyway. Well, speaking of exciting, multitasking strong vibrant women today we're gonna we're a little behind the times on this one but (laughs) but you know better late than never we're gonna talk about betty white but more specifically what we can all learn Mm. she like is just a -a chock-a-block full of life advice and like not that she had advice but the way that she lived her Mm -hmm. life demonstrates a way that we should all be living uh on multiple planes Mm mm-hmm she was brought to us from heaven. From heaven, truly. She's I mean, like a Jesus figure in <laughs> teaching us how to live. Well, I do think that it's we're just so lucky to have had her in our lifetime. I mean, just truly yeah. to have this role model and for her career to, I mean, 99 years old. And believe it, so her, her birthday was yesterday, the 17th. So this episode mm. comes out the 18th. Her 100th birthday was on the 17th of this month and one thing that I did notice online that a lot of people are doing to honor her is the hashtag Betty White challenge and that is to donate five dollars or as much as you can really to any sort of humane society in your your local you know animal shelter because Betty White was such a huge advocate for animals she always said that acting and performing was definitely her job but her her reason for like living and and giving back like she needed to act and do that sort of stuff so that she could help the animals (laughs) and yeah yeah I didn't I didn't know that I actually didn't know that she actually named her we'll get to this later but she did name her first production company after her dog too (laughs) oh really yeah she just loved animals um but I have to say like can you imagine a better way to be honored mm. than by people all take coming together to like give to something that you really cared about, you right. know? Um, yeah. And for her to care about something like that is right. so lovely. And I love that. And I will absolutely donate. Yes, please donate to your local animal shelter in honor of Betty White. I think that is such a way, a great way to honor her. So maybe that's a good place to start, right? One of the things that we can learn is about giving 
to your community and giving to the causes that you care about mm-hmm. and really devoting a lot of your life to it. It doesn't have to be this thing where it's like, look at me, look at me, look at me, mm-hmm. I'm donating. It's more about like, look, this is something that I feel strongly about this cause mm-hmm. and I'm going to participate in that cause. And we've talked about this on the pod before, but you know, this country, we don't always emphasize like volunteering feels like an extra nice an extra thing that you do and then you kind of show it off and you're like oh look Mm -hmm. at me volunteering or people kind of use it that way and but it really should be ingrained in our community because we don't have Mm. you know to help build a sense of community and um to be helping community especially as we move into the new way of living when we get rid of our capitalist society we're gonna have to think i'm just preparing everybody (laughs) inevitable um But I just think that that's like a really special uh, aspect of her that she would do these things, but then, and she would promote them so that other people would get involved. Right. But it didn't seem like something where she was like, I'm so amazing. Look at me saving the whales or whatever, or the dogs. Yeah, because it was just ingrained in her DNA that she would just do. I mean, the documentary, the um, one that came out in 2018, there was actually footage of her feeding marshmallows to like a grizzly bear. I saw that <laughs> I video. Like, oh my God. It actually kind of made me really nervous, but she yeah. seemed so at ease with the bear. And that um, I didn't know that her family would go up to the Sierras and, and camp for like three weeks at a time. And um, she just was just she glows when she was she was glowing when she was talking about the animals that they would see in the wildlife when they were camping way up there and so I think that it was just ingrained in her at such a young age and that's just another thing that makes Betty White just the most incredible human yeah that's another thing too it's like I think that again she didn't strike me as someone that was like a real nature trekker like going out on hikes right. all the time right. but that's what they did that her family did take them out on these they would go on a lot of these like uh camping type trips and like that aside like let's say you don't like camping fine it's not I'm not saying like (laughs) you have to go camping now because Betty White likes camping (laughs) but I think there's something to be said for just like respecting and honoring the when I saw a thing where she was talking about it it was almost just like a a respect then an honor for the earth that we come from Mm. and to have a little bit more of that in our Mm -hmm. daily life as best we can even in a crazy city like New York City right just Mm -hmm. find that one patch of grass (laughs) (laughs) Hug a tree. Didn't Smell you hug a tree? It. Yeah, Didn't hug a tree. Talk yep. a tree. Oh my God, I love trees. <laughs> well, I want to say, so her earlier career, I would say that that she, and something that we can learn from her, is just adaptability. The way yes. that she was able to adapt from just her early start, what was it? Like she, she was on a radio show at first, and then mm-hmm. they asked her to then do it on television for five hours a day mm-hmm. and she didn't say no just she just crazy. adapted to that and then they asked her to host her to do a live taping of 30 minutes of the life with elizabeth show that they mm-hmm. filmed in la and she i think she said like mm, i don't think this is really going to work but i will try it and then it it worked fine and and she just is her, her whole career it just seems that she um well she, uh, she was quoted saying like um I'm such a whore I can't say no I love it <laughs> which I fucking love but it also is just like so I love that attitude of like not saying no um and and adapting to the situation and then like I'm kind of skipping around her career but I thought it was interesting that um with that hot Cle- hot in Cleveland yeah hot, hot, yeah hot yeah hot for Cleveland hot in hot. Cleveland yeah <laughs> hot I flashes it, in I, Cleveland I, I kind of want to see it now I, I kind of I missed it when it but came I, I think that this is also about her 
could you could say about her career is that like she agreed to do the pilot but was like I'll be too busy to actually film the show but I'll try the pilot like what's the odds of it actually getting picked up and then it did get picked up and then but she had so much fun filming Hmm. the pilot she was like okay yeah I'll do it and that's just like knowing what brings you happiness and then and and that is actually saying no to other things because you're Mm -hmm. happy doing this other thing so what a I mean and I don't know I don't know personally because I'm not in Hollywood I would love to be in Hollywood if you're listening but uh (laughs) I think that that probably is pretty rare in Hollywood to choose projects just because they bring you joy it seems like a lot of times people are doing it for money or fame or whatever but it seems like she always was making her decisions based on if they brought her joy and finding ways to make that work. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And of course, like she was in the industry for a long time, so everybody knew her. So maybe she had some ability to make those choices that other people wouldn't be able to make. But like in any of our jobs, again, we're not talking about just being like an actor. Like whatever your work situation mm-hmm. is, you can find places <clears throat> to make sure that you're happy in that situation. You know, I mean, you do have more control over it than you maybe think. And the other thing about adaptability with her and like her work environment Number one, she was able to not only adapt to the different mediums, like where she was able to adapt from radio to TV and from TV to like the different kinds of roles she was doing within TV, but also just like get way past what what people would consider her prime or something. She was finding places where she still fit Mm. in. So she was doing a lot of voiceover, which is like something she Mm. hadn't really done. She'd done radio, but it's not the same. You know what I mean? All of these things, if you don't know the entertainment industry, you might think, well, it's all under the same umbrella. It's like, well, yeah, but they're all different skill sets Mm. and not everybody is good at all of them. And she was good at all of them because I think she'd go in and she'd figure out how do I need to thrive in this environment? And then she would figure it out and do it. She did what she had Mm. to do to, to make it work. The other thing I thought was interesting in terms of adaptability, because I think a lot of people right now might be going through this, so I thought this was Mm -hmm. worth mentioning. She lived through World War II, Mm -hmm. and World War II itself totally threw her career out the window for a Mm -hmm. period of time. So she had been becoming like a rising star in radio. She was modeling. She was really starting to build like a a resume and a career. And then World War II happened. Everything kind of stopped. And she had to stop what she was doing. She ended up volunteering for to help deliver items and things like that. And there was an, uh, what was the quote? Sorry. Oh, yeah, they quoted her. They asked her about that time period. She said, it was a strange time and out of balance with everything. Mm-hmm. And it made me think so much of the time that we're in right now. And I know I have, I mean, a lot of us have had been having shifting work situations and trying to figure out what comes next. But what mm-hmm. I liked about that, what was hopeful about it was that she her her plans were like dashed right by Mm -hmm. the war but then she was able to come back she was resilient enough and adaptable enough Mm -hmm. to come back and be like okay we'll just now that we have some you know the war is over what happens next and she went right back into it and did what she had to do and in your case out there listening maybe it's not that you do the same thing but to have the resiliency to be like not feel like oh I'm fucked like nothing Mm -hmm. will ever be okay again you know and to have the foresight to be like no it's you know that was a bump in the blip in the road here's Mm -hmm. the next step for me you know Mm. she also knew what she wanted she wanted a career and I think that Mm -hmm. that's really a beautiful thing especially back then yeah she was married three times and it sounds like the first one yeah when she was volunteering uh American Women's Volunteer Service she met her first husband And they married and they moved to Bell Center, Ohio, where Barker owned a chicken farm. 
and he wanted a simpler life. And she was like, mm, no. And so they divorced and she moved to Los Angeles. And then she married Lane Allen, a Hollywood talent agent. They divorced because he wanted a family and she wanted a career, which this woman just knew that she wanted to, to you know, perform. And then she married. I love like that in the documentary with Alan Ludden. He was the mm-hmm. host of, pa- what was it? Password. 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 Mm-hmm. And like they were flirting early on and just like mm-hmm. their relationship. And also I thought it was just interesting that he had to ask her to marry him twice because she really and she said no because she really wanted to focus on her career. Mm-hmm. But then then she just. But he helped support her career. Yes. That was what was so mm-hmm. great about that relationship was that like th- that. I mean, that's another lesson is like don't settle for bullshit you don't want, yeah. you know, because like. There are people out there that are there to help support you and help you grow. Uh, in addition to that, she was not a like a spring chicken when they met. I mean, right. she was like in her 40s or something when they met. So sometimes you're like the love of your life doesn't come around when you're 20. Sorry, you know, children or whatever. <laughs> sometimes it takes longer. You have to know what you want. You have to know who you are. To you have to know. love yourself in order to mm-hmm. be able to love somebody else, I think. Yeah, and I think you, and like, and you said, and you have to know really what you want out of life so that, that's why it is kind of, I mean, look, sometimes people meet people and it's perfect, so I'm not saying don't get married if it's really working out, but like sometimes, you know, people settle because there's pressure to get married and pressure to have children, and she was like, I don't want those things, Mm -hmm. and she lived a very happy, fulfilling life without children, Mm -hmm. and unfortunately, she lost her husband, but she also says over and over again I had the love of my I got to experience the love of my life yeah which is such a beautiful thing well I guess another place oh sorry I just wanted to say this one thing when she was on the actor's studio with James Lipton he asked Mm her um when she like let's talk about heaven sort of thing and um that uh he asked if she thought heaven existed and like when she would walk through the pearly gates what would God say to her and she said that um uh, God would say, "Come in, come on in, Betty. Here's Alan." Oh, <laughs> well, did you so, know? I, I I don't know if this is true, but I read that her last words oh. were Alan. <gasps> and they, I a side note that Are I've been you, uh, I'm crying. I'm gonna cry. Yeah. Are you serious? So, mm-hmm. And side note, there is a. We should do an episode of this because I'm getting obsessed with it. But there is a lot of um, stories about people that work in like nursing homes or like in hospitals or hospice. And uh, very, very frequently, like very, very, very frequently, one of the last things that the kinds of things that people will say as they're dying are things like, oh, it's grandma or hey, Jim Mm -hmm. or hey. And it's like they're seeing people that have passed over. Um, So. I like to think that, uh, and it's would track with other people's experiences, potentially. I mean, you know, we'll talk about it later, but uh, but that maybe he was there to come bring her over to the other side. Oh my gosh, that is beautiful. Yeah. I'm going to stop I crying. That. that is no, so... No, it's, it's lovely. It is so pretty. and but so, It's so pretty. It's so pretty. And that she was able to still live this like incredible... She was in mourning, I'm sure, but she also was able to... This is a great lesson. Um, was able to look at the situation and reframe it so that it wasn't just like I've lost the love of my life I what 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 do I have left to live for mm-hmm. she knew that she had lots to live for and that was just a part of her life and she was sad mm-hmm. to have lost it I'm sure she would always have wanted more time with him but she didn't allow that to stop her from living 
gift, you know, and that she was able to go with gratitude, look back on what she did have with him, honor him, love those, cherish the memories of him, feels, I'm sure she felt sad sometimes about it, but then also continue to live, you know? And I think that my grandma, one of my grandmothers, um, when her husband died, she was just like lost. I mean, we lost her. It was it. And she lived for another like a long time, like another five, six, seven years. Something I can't remember exactly how long, but she didn't want to live anymore. And she didn't, and she kind of deteriorated. And it was like, we all were watching this happening. And I remember thinking like, I don't want to go like that. Mm -hmm. It was awful. Mm -hmm. What I loved about Betty White is she's like, you know, keep she just kept going right my well, she, other grandmother mm-hmm. kept going and had i think i've said this in the pod before but she was like 90 and i was like what's your what's your plan or whatever and she's like well in 10 years i'll be doing this and i was like and she <laughs> so was she had a plan walking around she mm-hmm. had a plan she was she had lost three husbands so she it was also she'd also survived world war ii she had she was from hungary and stuff so she was persecuted by nazis all that stuff but she had been resilient kind of like not that mm-hmm. Betty White went through that, but she had that same resiliency mm-hmm. and was able to like take the gratitude and take from what she had had and then also move forward with what was actually present now and, you know, not mm. not get too into the down in the dumps about stuff that didn't go right. You know, anyway, side note unrelated <laughs> to that thing I last mentioned, but I thought this was a fun fact. I'm uh, so crying you know? over here. This is like, oh, this I know. is ridiculous. It's, it's, I know. It's beautiful. Her it life is beautiful. beautiful. We can learn yeah. from it. Yes. Um, side note, fun fact. Did you know that she was brought in to play Blanche? She auditioned for Blanche. Oh. And then she turned it down in Golden Girls. I'm talking about Golden Girls, if you didn't know. Uh, and she turned it down and said, I want to play Rose instead. Oh, she kn- so she back to like knew. what she want, knowing what she wanted. She was like, I don't want to play this part. I want to play this part. And they were like, okay. Because she was more of a Blanche. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever watched um, Mary Tyler Moore show, but I was like upset. Thank God for Nick and Knight because I was like obsessed with all those old shows. And I loved the Mary Tyler Moore show. And she plays Sue Ann Nivens on the Mary Tyler Moore show. And she she's catty. She's kind of a bitch. She's like sexy, but older. Like she was not like a young, like 20 something woman. She was like, I think in her 50s or something when she played the part. So she but so fucking funny. I mean, like so fucking funny. So she was a natural fit for Blanche this like Mm. sexy kind of sex Mm -hmm. pot whatever so I can see why they wanted her to play that part but I love that she was sort of like I can do more you know and I want to try this instead now I think maybe my favorite character on television I love Rose well I I think again like this is just perseverance but yeah she had that uh that role in her 50s on the Mary Tyler Moore show and that some people say that's what catapulted her career I mean she had a huge career before that but that really brought her to the mainstream and she was over 50 years old and what's cool about that is that like so the lesson there for people is you are never too old this fucking goddamn society we live in is so obsessed with youth and so mm-hmm. obsessed with like the 30 under 30 20 under 20 da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. I mean here's a good example of like the pressures of that Elizabeth Holmes I don't know if you've been following any of that stuff but she came up with that she had claimed that she was going to like cure cancer or something whatever with this like whole medical thing it was all a ruse because right. she was feeling so much pressure to be like she was like the first billionaire under 22 or so I'm making all that up but and now she's like gonna go to jail because she was lying about it but the pressure is to like be the best or whatever at a certain age it's like it's overwhelming Mm -hmm. and then people start to feel like I'm over the hill when I'm 35 Mm -hmm. and it's like fuck that fuck that fuck that fuck that fuck it don't 
yeah, like get your big thing at 50. Get your big thing at 80. You know what I mean? Right. Like just keep doing what you love and or never get the big thing. Who the fucking cares? Just do what you love and um, don't let people tell you you're too old to do shit. Right. I'm so over that. Right. And don't settle. I think that's the biggest no. thing. Never settle. Look at us. Still single. Look at us. Still here. We're doing great. Yeah, we're so <laughs> great. Not drinking. We're fabulous. <laughs> Wait, here's another thing that does remind us of me of us. Yes. That she did. <laughs> that, we, that we do. That we try to do. Is she started her own production company. Mm-hmm. She became one of the first... Uh, one of Hollywood's first producers, and she called it Bandy Productions, named after her dog. Uh, and what I want to say about that in terms of like a learning something mm. for your own life is blaze your own trail. Mm. You know, we did right. that with the band. We were mm-hmm. like, fuck this. We cannot make it through. You know, we're really banging our heads against the wall with this entertainment industry. Let's do something we like instead. We didn't even know we'd like it until we tried it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we like tried this thing out. We said... You know, we're going to do it our way. Mm-hmm. And we have had a modicum of success that mm-hmm. I'm very proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, love that. I also like that she, gender didn't even occur to her. Like, she, it really didn't seem to occur that, like, she was the first female producer. Mm-hmm. She was just like, it was just my job. And this is, it was natural. And, like, I was good at it. And I figured it out and just did it. And like the gender didn't ever come into play in her mind or, you know, she just did it. Yeah. I attribute that to her parents a lot too, because like, so she was an only child. Her mother kind of doted on her, but I think in a really nice way, not in like a, I think she says like, I was spoiled rotten. And I think she was, but like with love, it seems Mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. And I think that, and I, I, I assume that her dad must've been a stand up guy too, because that unit seemed very healthy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So and like you know, healthy units produce healthy children for the most right. part. Yeah. Um. So mm-hmm. I lo- so I love that 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 idea that like she really didn't have to. Actually, that's an interesting thing. I wonder for you. The side note. Um. <laughs> I, I was sort of. I mean, my dad had raised raised around women because he had two sisters and then my grandmother, and he was always very like. We never had conversations like girls can do anything, mm-hmm. but he definitely was like always pushing me towards the sciences and math and like engineering and things like that. So just without me thinking about it, similarly, as an only child, mm-hmm. I never ha- thought that much about boys versus girls until I got older and then school kind of started to be like, oh, wait a minute, some of these guys are getting treated differently or things like that. But but ingrained in my brain was more of this idea that like, what's the big deal? And then mm-hmm. the rage came when I saw that <laughs> society doesn't do that. Um, maybe that's where my rage comes from. Um, right. But for you, like you grew up in a house full of women. Mm-hmm. Uh, so similarly, it wasn't like you were being raised with a brother. So it mm-hmm. wasn't like you were seeing like, oh, they're tre- dad's treating, you know, my brother like this, but treating me like that. So how do, do you think that that means anything? I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think we ever really thought about it. I, I yeah. also it just, in, like, I was born with this gumption that my sisters yeah. did not have. Like, just this perseverance of, I can do anything. Like, my mom's favorite story of me when I was a baby was, like, my older sister was trying to figure out how to do a somersault. And, like, she couldn't figure it out. And then I, as, like, uh, you know, a year and a half just, like, kept, like figured it out and did it and just kept doing it and kind of like showing off that I figured it out before my my older sister and it was just and she had another story of like a ball rolled under the couch and Rachel started crying and then I just like moved pushed 
the couch as a baby just like pushed the couch out of the way to get the ball and then Rachel was like yay but I think that's like my whole mo is like if anything's in my way I'll just push the couch out of the way to get that's what interesting because I, I think for me that also is like because my the famous story that my parents would tell is that like we had a we had a jungle gym in the backyard that they had gotten me, this like little wooden thing. And I was a little bit like unsure of it when we got it. So I kind of would go over to it and kind of figure it, try to figure out like I should have try, but then I couldn't quite get across. But they were like, we'd watch you. And it was like day after day, you'd go mm-hmm. out and a little bit further, you'd fit, you were like figuring it out. How do I do this? And then it's like, you know, a couple of days later, we looked out and you're going back and forth, back and forth over the jungle gym. Same idea where you're just like, I just need to like, I'm not going to quit because I can't do it. It's right. like, I'm going to figure out how to make this work and I think sometimes because I also this is now just private conversation I mean we can this will be on the pod but um I but just that like sometimes I forget that that's not inherent to people because a lot of the women and people that I hang out with tend to be like that Mm -hmm. so that's a good thing too so if you're someone that doesn't necessarily have that initial that urge to keep pushing through and all that like Sometimes we don't need that, right? Sometimes you don't have to be that person. You can also be, we need different types of people with different personalities. But but if you're, I don't know, if you're not, if you're afraid of taking risks, like maybe try and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, I definitely think Betty White took risks and never really, like, yeah. it just seems like she just went for it. And-, and it was, and I think natural to her. Right. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. So I, one thing I don't want you to feel, what I'm trying to say is like, if you're out there being like, well, that's not natural to me. Don't try to be something you're right. not, but right. but there's small ways in which you can like. Um, Don't ski that mountain. Do the tubing instead. Yeah, whatever <laughs> makes you whatever happy. Floats your boat. Yeah. Well, speaking of happy, I love that Betty White described herself as a cockeyed optimist. Yes. And I, I mean that that is such a wonderful way to live life is through positivity. She said, "Don't complain." And I, I've actually been very guilty as of late because I have all these new jobs and like they're very. it's very they're very challenging and I've been complaining a lot I think to my friends and my family and like I really want to stop complaining because I'm so grateful for where I am and how and to be challenged like thank god like what a great way to live and to be to um I don't know I, I I just I really like that idea of not don't complain don't stop complaining um and be optimistic and and be grateful yeah. And I know that there's like a thing going on right now. I was thinking about this earlier that like about toxic positivity, which is sort of like, just be happy. Just be happy. Right. Just be happy, which is very prevalent in our like social media right now because they're just trying to totally you know, I don't know, pull you and out sell, of that. sell you on that thing. And look, we're living in a horrible time. Horrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Horrible. So if you're not feeling happy all the time, that's totally fine. And if you're not naturally optimistic, that's even OK. But I think that what we're, what I think the lesson and Marie was just saying, it, which is that like, but try to if you can practice a little bit of gratitude for what mm-hmm. you do have, it's not about like, it will just make your life better. I promise mm-hmm. you. Like it will just make your life, you will feel better every day. And then if you're feeling better, you can treat other people better. And um, and it's infectious. And it is. Yeah. And it's, and it just, I don't know. It's, I, and I've been on both sides of this. I'm, I guess I'm speaking from someone that has been fully on both sides of this coin where like depression has fully overtaken me and I'm just in like the darkness mm-hmm. and the idea of like just be happy makes me want to shoot somebody which is not a threat (laughs) right but it really makes you like homicidal because you're like you don't fucking know what i'm feeling right now you're gonna tell me to be happy what Uh do you have what do you have to be upset about it's not about that i have a chemical imbalance and i'm fucking struggling (laughs) right and one of the things that's really helped me come out of my depression is that gratitude 
is being able just for the little things and people sometimes will be like what am I grateful for I don't have a job I don't have whatever if you can if you're breathing if you're walking on two legs if you're able to you know have a conversation with another human being if you're able to you know do there's something to be grateful for you know even if you can't walk on two legs there's other things to be grateful for maybe you're grateful for the fact that you're still alive you know and you have a friend or something or your pet or there you you and it build i just want to say that you build it 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 doesn't always come right away it takes time to find what's what you can be grateful for right well, I haven't talked about this on the pod, but I'll go ahead and say this. But a couple months ago, my mom had a heart attack and it was awful and was so sad and she's fine. But when I had therapy the next couple of days, um, I told my therapist, I was really upset. I was crying. And she was like, what what are you grateful for from that? And I was like, nothing. There's nothing to be grateful. And she was like, she didn't die. <laughs> mm-hmm. She didn't die right. then. She was able to get to the hospital. She was able to get good care. She's alive. She has her family. I mean, that's the thing, though, is that like you have you have to then reframe it in your brain and find the gratitude because it can t- just pull you down if you really just succumb to it. So it is a choice. And that's why I think Betty White, going back to her, is that like, she, her the the shit that she went through her entire life could mm-hmm. have just brought her down but she mm-hmm. chose to reframe it in her brain <clears throat> chose to look at it with an optimistic eye and and to love and i think also like she said and led with what she thought and 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 would tell her people her thoughts she wouldn't let things weigh her down she just like lived unforgivably herself and was brave and and didn't hold anything back and i think that that is just again it's perseverance it's adaptability but it's also just leading with love and gratitude and I and 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 humor like yeah with, and with, humor is and not taking life yes, so seriously yes I mean, that's part of it yes thing. it's absolutely I, I, beautiful way to live yeah and I want to add that like <clears throat> again like if you're in a place right now while you're listening to this where you're not feeling good totally at all, right and you're feeling like whatever what Marie said about the choice is really important because it does not feel like a choice when you're really depressed it does not feel like a choice mm-hmm. it feels like it's happening to you mm-hmm. but if you're able to even just start to feel find that that spark of how like there is a little bit of choice in this and that's where the gratitude really helps where you can say like okay I can look at this glass as half full or half empty Mm -hmm. right literally you can Mm -hmm. say this glass is half full or half empty that's why we bring that thing up all the time and if you can start saying okay it's half full and I'm not I'm grateful that it's half full and I'm not like ungrateful for the the half that I've lost Yes. Yes. So that's where you have to like, um, that's where the reframing comes in and that's where the choice comes in. So if anybody's just wondering like, what choice is there? There's a, there's choice in how you see the world. And it's very, it's hard to understand that when you're in the worst of it, but I'm hoping that like, just watch some Betty White, just like, you know, take some notes on that. (laughs) I, I love that. Um, she also has been quoted, um, that it's very important to sleep to get your eight hours of beauty rest. Love it. And nine if you're ugly. Oh. <laughs> I need 11. <laughs> I love it. Isn't that funny? So funny. I mean, and you know, oh God, that sense of humor. I think also, you know, not everybody's like naturally funny, but just finding the funny in things. Everybody mm-hmm. can do that. Everybody can find funny. And not mean. I mean, that was kind of mean, but it's funny. You know, she's, it's funny. Well, on the set Synonyms. of the proposal on her last day, it's in the documentary, but I'm just saying it again. But um, she turned to the crew and said, this was the most fun I've ever had standing up. Yeah. <laughs> She's so good. Oh, 
so I just good. like her her like perverted sense of humor also. Yeah. Like there was yeah. that sexuality that like came through. I mean, especially when she did those when her jokes with Rose and on the Golden Girls was just it was so unexpected. And it kind of made me think a lot about our act because yeah. we you were able to like get it in there by looking sweet and whatever and then really drop those bombs of yeah. that make people And think. I think that those mean jokes, those like quote unquote mean yeah. jokes work the best when the person saying them is actually very nice and kind. Yes, yes. I think when we hear mean jokes and they feel really mean, it's usually because that person has a lot of anger, mm. like real anger and like hatred toward whatever they're talking about. You see that a lot in like open mics and stuff where these guys are like shitting on women and they're, it's not funny because they actually feel that way. <laughs> and right. she doesn't really feel that way about that stuff. Yeah. One of the another big lesson I think we can all learn from Betty White and this people have been talking about this a lot on the internet so it's but it's worth mentioning again is um her advocacy for other mm. people. Mm-hmm. And um the famous story that's been going around is that when she had her Betty White show that was her show yes. that she was producing mm-hmm. she um featured Arthur Duncan who was a tap dancer and started getting a lot of hate mail or made a lot of pushback and saying like we really don't think you should have a black person on the show we really don't like seeing black people on tv and she wrote back and she was like well i'm sorry but not sorry like we will use him as much as we want to and she then from that point on uh she uh she didn't want to shelf him and she gave him every opportunity she could to be Mm. on the show so anytime there was a space for him she would bring him on and he talked about it since then and has said like you know she was the reason that I had a career because mm. people got exposure to him and were like, oh my God, this guy's great. We'd like to have more of him. And he ended up being uh, the first, Arthur Duncan became mm. the first uh, black performer who was a regular on a variety show on the Lawrence Welk show. I oh, love Lawrence love Welk. The Lawrence, Welk show. Lawrence Welk is from the, the Dakotas. My mm. grandma loved him. Um, and so that, you know, and I don't think that would have happened if she had not been out there advocating for him and like making sh- making space for him mm-hmm. and I think it's like white people we talk about this on the show sometimes we wonder like what is it that we can do to be real allies and some mm-hmm. people go out there and they start speaking for other people mm-hmm. or they mm-hmm. they push themselves in the front and say like oh this is how it is or on the other end people go well what am I supposed to do it doesn't really affect me so what can I really do to help this is a perfect example of like what we can all be doing which is that she used her power and her voice to stand up and make space for somebody who deserved the space and she got canceled for it in the end and she was willing to put this job that she had been working for and could have I mean shows like that you never know it could have been the Betty White show for 50 years or something mm-hmm. and she lost that opportunity but she was like it's fine because I'm resilient and I'm gonna find something else to do after this and it's worth fighting for mm. she also Mm-hmm. Turned down a role in as good as it gets because there was a scene where they drop throw a dog down a chute like a oh yeah and she uh was she just like I'm <gasps> not okay oh, with I didn't that know that yeah so I mean that's another place where she was advocating for the thing that she believed in mm-hmm. and she believed people should be treated fairly animals should be treated fairly and so she lived the way that she mm-hmm. felt you know mm-hmm. she didn't kowtow to and that I mean Betty White show was early-ish in her career, mm-hmm. not early, early, but like she had mm-hmm. a lot to lose mm-hmm. and she was willing to lose it. <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting that she would say, I'm not an activist, I'm an advocate. Yeah. I think that's really important. And I think that that's great. And being an mm-hmm. activist is great too, but like if you don't feel like you are an activist, mm-hmm. you can still advocate. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. still, when you're totally. in a group of people right. and someone's talking mm-hmm. shit about a, another group that, you know, is 
like the LGBT community or women. If you're men in a group of men and they're talking shit about women, you can be the one Mm -hmm. to stop and go, dude, that's not cool. Mm -hmm. It's like not cute. Right. You know, that's all. I mean, even that does it it makes such a big difference. Mm -hmm. Shut people down. Her worth ethic, I think, is just worth bringing up is that it seems like even in her old age, she came prepared. She would be mm-hmm. when she wasn't needed on set, she'd be in her trailer or, or close by, like practicing her lines with her assistant. Like she was just so prepared and professional at all times. And that, you know, you hear of other actors. I know like Kristen Heigl got like a really bad reputation of being kind of nasty and stuff. It's like nobody ever said that about Betty White because she always came prepared and just was such a so so joyful to be around and so kind to every single person on crew from like the cater from the craft services to the to the you know executive producer. She was just kind to everyone. And that makes it that's that is something I really really want to remember. Well I think just and and again like even if you don't work in the entertainment industry, that that idea of like you can be kind to people, we right. should be from the bus again, boy living, to the sh- executive chef. Yeah, <laughs> it's like and come from on. like you're the guy you don't like, you can still be kind to that person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or at least try. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have my moments, but like, but um, that kindness is definitely something that we're missing. And the be kind on social media, maybe mm-hmm. like, and that's something I had to step away from where I was like getting into these fights with people over like politics and stuff. And not that those things aren't worth fighting for but it's shocking how quickly those conversations devolve they're not conversations Mm -hmm. they just devolve into name calling so quickly and like Mm -hmm. we don't need to do that anymore Mm -hmm. we don't need any more of that in this world and she was certainly not somebody that did any of that which is cool and then also in terms of work ethic what just in terms of relating it to something outside of like learning your lines in like an entertainment way the thing about what that translates to me for like a regular person is that like when someone is prepared at their job mm-hmm. or whatever the task is going to be, whether it be work or an activity or whatever it is, and they're present and they're and they're prepared, that is a gift to the people around them. Right. So if it's let's talk about it within the spectrum of your family. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're kind of if you're the person that's in charge of the dishes, mm-hmm. then you go and you do the dishes because it helps alleviate the stress from the rest of the community mm-hmm. right which would be like your family if you're working at your job and as you're if you're a server mm-hmm. and you're not like pulling your own weight in a serving capacity you're not working with the your your fellow teammates mm-hmm. and it's putting more sh- shit onto them you know what mm-hmm. i mean and that kind of stuff like that's where you can translate that into your everyday life where it's like what 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 am I supposed to be coming bringing to the table here mm-hmm. and am I bringing it or not because it's not just about yourself like growing as a person it's about how is that going to also be make everybody else's life around me easier too mm-hmm. you know and that's not I'm not saying like you give yourself to everybody and oh we're gonna do things for other people but it's like look if you're responsible for something be responsible for it mm-hmm. show up show up I love it Mm. Well, we're coming to an end. Do you have any words of wisdom to pass on? Uh, yes, one more. Uh, <laughs> we should absolutely start doing this Golden Girl House thing. Oh, girl! Yeah, I oh, mean, definitely. This should be a thing. Like, I mean, we are definitely going to do that. And that actually, personally, like it takes the pressure off of getting married or like yeah getting yeah. married having kids like all that societal and pressure. they were still dating in that house it wasn't like oh, they weren't dating they I'm were all, they were fucking doing oh it. yeah we're gonna be snorting viagra 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't really want to do that. But that's, you can do that if you want. But I also, but I've always envisioned, like, I want to have, like, <laughs> not to sexualize men, but I'm going to get, like, real young pool boys to come and, like, sure. you know, we'll have happy Why hours not? every Friday with our pool boy who yeah. walks around in a cute little, like, neon banana hammock thing and service past hors d'oeuvres like that yeah. is where I, I hear this a lot like oh my gosh I have to have kids because who's gonna take care of me in my old age I'm like fuck that shit like that I, I do not want to dictate my life thinking and worrying about the future because if I have the golden girls ranch that I plan on having with horses and you know our, go- our farm or garden or roommates too sure so take care but of it them. and it will also be gigantic because we're going to be fucking multi-millionaires by then too so it'll be a huge space where like i'll have my own little we'll all have our own little mi- mini mansions or whatever it's uh, it, the potential is incredible so i don't I, I, that's that's my goal and you're gonna be there jeremy will yeah. be there like all no, I'm welcome, super into really. it. And as a person that like went back into like a like almost like a college living situation in my right. 30s, <laughs> like I was like, what am I doing? Like, and there's sort of a perception that it's kind of lame if you have a lot of roommates after you're an adult and stuff. Holy shit, it was so fucking fun. Yes. Holy shit. Yes. We had, I mean, I I miss having, I like living alone, but like I do miss that, mm-hmm. having that little built-in community where we did take care of each other. We did watch out for each other. We were built-in entertainment for each other. Um, and we all got along really well. I mean, mm-hmm. it it is honestly community living something yeah. we need to explore more absolutely as a, as a society we and should also invite you, could my- be mar- you could be an old person and married and still live in a community situation totally. so it's not like just for single old bats or whatever it can be right. for like anybody that's older that they're not just like isolated right and but not in like not- a home that's like state you know where someone, i was just like, about to say it's not you. a nursing home no it's no, in it's like a and it's, miami and it's, more th- <laughs> and it's not even like i don't even want to live in one of those communities that's already made that's like in arizona where they're like oh we're golfing the margaritaville it's like, <laughs> yeah I, I want like I, it's like a real house that people all live together i mm-hmm. i mean I, and I don't even have a problem living in the same house like i kind of like that too yeah. where maybe you have your wing but it's like <laughs> Anyway, I I'm all, cannot. That's, that's my that's my last word of wisdom from Betty. <laughs> yes. And but also what a cool thing to like pool your expenses too, and then have yeah. this like grand place to all live together. I'm, yeah. I'm all about it. It's going to happen. And then like also like it's hard for older people to like keep their places clean. One of the reasons why they get pushed into like old folks home and stuff mm-hmm. is that they can't keep up with some of the like maintenance. But if like right. you have six women all doing their little part, mm-hmm. then you can keep the place clean and tidy and safe and everyone's watching out for each other. Like th- that works. We're, girl, we're going to get a housekeeper as well. And a, sh- and a personal chef. I, we don't even need it. I think we could do it ourselves. Are I, you kidding I, me? Who's going to change my diaper? <laughs> I will. Uh? That's the whole point. <laughs> Okay, that makes me really happy. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. I was thinking like Elvira would. That's our housekeeper's name. (laughs) She's from Transylvania. Yeah, we're like, you have to wear this. (laughs) Yeah, it's really random. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I can't wait. Any yes. Okay. So Betty White. Yeah, she makes me feel excited (laughs) about getting older. That's that's a big takeaway. Yes. It's not all downhill after twenty (laughs) five. Yeah. Oh well. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Yes, Yes, this one's for Betty. Uh, Let us know if we missed anything, if there's anything you think that you've learned from Betty White that we we should have mentioned. Yes. Thank you.